Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today we are going to be talking about recovery. And the the main question really is, is how many days or how many hours should I wait and let my body or, or my muscle repair before I work that same muscle over again? I think that this is a really good question. There has been some guidelines is what I'm going to call it guidelines of 48 to 72 hours. Now, why do people care about this? I think the main reason why this question comes up so much has to do with the conversation of frequency when it comes to muscle and strength. Like, is it better to work a muscle more often? And in some studies, that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing little bit more studies leaning towards that. And so then the question is, well, how often and how much should my muscle grow or how much should I allow my muscle to recover before I hit it again? So oftentimes I hear this with females who really want to grow their glutes or their delts. It's like, do I go in and, you know, hit it hard every single day or should I let them rest one to two days? Like what, what is the general, the general guidelines I've already stated. It's 48 to 72 hours. Is that true though? Is that true as a hard rule? With that question, I'm really excited to kind of open up some studies because I feel like what people do is they take things as hard rules and they don't realize that there's so much nuance to all of this that it actually depends. And I know I say that all the time and you guys who have been listening to me for a while, I'm sure it's it's annoying, possibly triggering <laughs> when I'm like, it depends. Well, what does it depend on? Well, awesome. That's why you're here today because we're going to talk about why it depends. Can you work the same muscle again the next day? Do you have to wait 48 hours? Should you wait 72? And which one, you know, on that spectrum of 48 to 72, what, what, what size should it be at? So let's start by going over what is this based off of this guideline of 48 to 72 hours. So when we train a muscle, a lot happens. We can cause some trauma, muscle damage, inflammation, and stress on the muscle cells. And what that does is it typically impairs the ability to perform or progress with loads over a period of time. It requires recovery. So the body can heal and then the body begins something called supercompensation, which is that it heals and then is allowed to heal to the degree, and this is the hope, that we become stronger and build more muscle. So, right, that's what we're going for. So we want to be able to give the body the time that it needs so that we can get those adaptations of being stronger and more muscle. So how long does this recovery really last? We're going to look at one study that actually might really surprise you as it did me. But as I state studies, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in depth, but just know that one study, one study is not an end all. 
In fact, oftentimes one study will open up more questions than it necessarily answers. At least that's what I've, I've noticed. When I read them, I'll think, okay, but what about this and this and this? You know, a study can only do so much. So I look at it as it's one piece of a puzzle. So we never want to just take one study and then just like completely change literally everything that we do, including things that are already working for us, right? We, we want to see what the research shows and says consistently over time, because a lot of times one study can say one thing and another can say another thing. And just depending on how the research was performed, um, and even, I, I I always hate saying this, but even maybe some biases can leak through into the study or into how it's set up or even interpreted afterwards. So that's why I'm very hesitant about just taking one study and saying, well, this, this says this, and so this is what we do. It's like, no, there's, there's some common sense that we can use in that we look at studies over time, multiple studies over time. And what are the trends that we're seeing? So I want to share a study about frequency because I think that this is a good way to kick this off, right? Because that's the question really is how often if I want my glutes to grow and if I know that frequency can lend towards a little bit more hypertrophy, then how frequent can I get away with? I think is the question. So this one study, and I will link this in the notes, it actually compared working the same muscles three times a week versus six times. Well, obviously, if you're working six times a week, that means consecutively. All of those were consecutive six days, six days in a row, guys. So they took one group and they had them train three times a week with, you know, a day, sometimes two days in between the training sessions. And then they took another group and these guys were working out six times a week lifting. Um, They actually matched the volume though. They matched the exercises and the amount of sets overall that were done on those exercises. And that's actually important to understand as we interpret the data. Because what's fascinating about this is that both groups actually grew about the same. Isn't that interesting? They both grew about the same. There was no big like, oh, you know, three times a week outperformed and everybody who you know, has been around in fitness for a while, they would probably imagine that the three times a group people would um, maybe outgrow or outperform. Now, this could be that the high-frequency groups were actually performing far less volume per session. For example, instead of doing four sets of bicep curls, like the three times a group we're doing on one day, four sets of bicep curls, 
they were doing two sets of bicep curls a day and then two sets the next day. So volume per day was much lower, but per week was matched. It was the same. So during the daily frequency, the person just wasn't going in and doing it, destroying, you know, their biceps. They actually were doing probably far less than what they probably would have done otherwise. If this was a trained individual who loves training their biceps, you can imagine yourself, if you, you know, fill in the the blank to whatever muscle group you love training, if somebody told you, yeah, go in and train, but only, only two sets. That's kind of hard to do, right? Somebody who loves training, that's really hard to do. So keep in mind that most people, when they go in and train, they don't train this way, right? Most people get on Instagram and brag about how it was leg day and I couldn't even walk out of the gym. My friend had to wheelchair me out. That's what they're bragging about. So I already think people probably, I guess we could talk about overtraining another day, but some, some people tend to do that anyways. So it's not like they were doing that. I mean, going in and doing two set two sets, I mean, that's that's nothing. So just keep that in mind. When we only are doing like two sets, you can imagine that there's going to be far less damage or disruption to the muscle cell if you're training and only doing two sets versus if you're training and doing, you know, four or more. So I understand that the rest time could very well be shorter because of that. So I I actually think that the main takeaway from that study is more, it says more about volume attributing to our ability to recover. The lower the volume, the the shorter the recovery period needs to be. But once again, I mean, think about it. How many people do you know that are just going in and doing like just two sets and then leaving it at that? That's hard to find those people. So now let's look at another few things about recovery and what affects recovery. So already I talked about volume of work. We discussed that already, but there's actually... One thing that I would like to add before we move on, that when you're looking at that study, they were actually just doing about 12 sets on on each muscle. So biceps was 12 sets, triceps, 12 sets, quads, 12 sets. Like that's how it was laid out, just 12 sets. There's a lot of studies showing that higher around even, you know, 20, 24, there was one that I read 27 yielded more hypertrophy than 12, 15. So if somebody wants more volume of work, maybe they have a lagging muscle, maybe it's their glutes and they really want to see it grow. Now, all of a sudden it's not two sets because that would only hit them, you know, 12 sets a week. Now we're looking at, they're trying to hit, you know, 20, 24, 
27. So now we're moving out of that very, very low volume per day because we need more if we're trying to get higher volume. So now if you're trying to do this daily, now we could be tipping over the threshold and now we're inducing too much every day to grow. So you got to think about those things when you read these studies. What if you're somebody who's going to respond much better, like a lot of females do, but but everybody's different. And for me, I actually will do things like I'll have a six to eight week period where I am for glutes or delts or whatnot, something that I really want to see grow. I may be lending towards 20, 24 sets during that period. And then the next eight weeks, I'll pull back to maybe like 10, 12, 13, 14, those sets. So I will actually move back and forth. And I find that most people do really well if they do that. We can't always be like overreaching. We can't always be hitting, you know, 24 or 25 sets on glutes. And there are times it's important that we pull back and spend a little bit time, maybe in little, in lower volume amounts. So that's just a tidbit for you that as we approach higher volume, which we see in hypertrophy studies, can do better at lending more hypertrophy, then all of a sudden this daily six times a week isn't going to work because now we're doing like five sets and maybe that's tipped it over to now you do need more recovery. That you can't be going in the next day and doing another five sets on glutes. So that's just some food for thought. That higher volume is going to require more recovery. Another thing too is exercise selection really does influence influence this as well. Training muscles in longer muscle lengths causes more damage and then you need more recovery. So let me explain that for somebody who doesn't know what a longer muscle length is. So If you think about taking your muscle, you can actually stretch your muscle. And then when you contract, the muscle is coming together and it's shortening. So if you are going to be performing a squat, think about it this way. As you go down and sit down into a squat, your glute max fibers are lengthening. They are stretching as you go down. And then as you come up, you're going through a contraction and those fibers are coming closer together. So a squat is you working because it's more difficult at the bottom, right? So not only are you lengthening your glute max, but it's most difficult where it's longest, which can contribute to more disruption at that muscle cell. So therefore, more recovery will be needed. So there have been times where I have, not in my app, I do this with my more one-on-one writing training programs because this is a very specific thing that I would write for a client. If a client was, let's say, going through a refeed, 
I may give them a ton of carbs and have them, let's just say it's a female who wants to build her glutes. I may give her a ton of carbs one day and have her work in the short contracted position for the glute max. And that's going to drive a lot of those carbs, a lot of the nutrients into the glutes. And then the next day I could have her go in and then work in the lengthened position. And that's something that, you know, the day before doing just like a few sets in the short contracted position where we're not causing a lot of damage, where we're really just using that to kind of fill up um, the glycogen stores, her fuel with carbs. And then the next day she can go in and I don't do stuff like that a lot, but you could do something like that. And the next day you're going to be recovered and be fine because that short position doesn't cause as much disruption on the muscle cells, right? So how we train, where we train, that also contributes to it. So we have volume that's going to contribute. Higher amount of volume um, will yield more hypertrophy and higher amount of volume needs more recovery. Also, We are seeing more and more and more studies. If you've listened to me for a while, you know this. Training in the lengthened position, stretching and overloading there. We're also seeing more hypertrophy. But once again, with that comes a cost of more recovery. So if you go in and you're doing partials at the bottom of the squat, you're going down and just doing half reps down there, that can cause more trauma therefore more recovery. So you're not going to do something like that, you know, four or five sets and then expect to go in the next day and work glutes again. That's just not going to be smart. Also, how close we train to failure is going to contribute to your ability to recover faster or take longer. So if you are training and, and this is one thing that I've been hearing a lot lately. And I'm like, oh, we don't need to do that. People are taking every single set to failure. You shouldn't be doing that. So one, we're seeing through studies that you can stay one to three away from failure and still grow. But also, if you're going to take it to failure, only take your last set to failure. And I still like including failure work, even though according to the studies, I don't quote unquote need it. I actually kind of think I do because a lot of people can be staying or at least they think they're, oh, I'm staying one to three away from failure. But look, I've spent a lot of time training people and there was one study that came out that, that it was really interesting, but, and I've quoted it many times to you all. So you know, it, but it, it was showing that people could do 30 to 50% more than they thought that they could. So they were saying that they would hit failure at this certain point. And then as the researchers sitting are sitting there with them saying, Nope, keep going, keep going. You still haven't hit failure. Still haven't. And I have personally seen that with clients or with people who have come out to, I did a, a hypertrophy camp and I walked people through how to find failure. And then I sat there with them and I'm like, keep going, keep, and they're like, well, you know, I'll, I'll hit failure with, 
with this weight at, you know, 12 reps, 12 reps came. And I'm like, you're not even slowing down. Keep going, keep going, keep another eight to 12 reps were performed with that same amount of weight. So here's the thing. Although people are saying, and there's great research saying, you know, with trained individuals who really know their body, oh, look, you only need to take it one to three away from failure. You'll be fine. I actually still think that taking the very last set of a few of your, you know, priority muscles to failure, just that last set. So if you have three sets, just that third set will be taken to failure. I think is really important because it can kind of give us a gauge of, oh, here I thought, you know, eight was failure, but I pushed this last one to failure and I pumped out four more. So my gauge of failure was off and we can kind of, the next time you go in and train, you can kind of change things accordingly, right? But we don't want to be taking every single set to failure. That can induce a ton of fatigue. It's not needed. It just requires more recovery. And if you're in a calorie deficit, that's going to greatly impair this too. And it will just make you feel super crappy during your calorie deficit. I'm not going to say it's going to stop your fat loss. I'm just going to say you're going to feel really, really crappy getting that fat loss. So you don't need to be hitting failure. So especially every single set, okay? Lower nutrition is going to impair our body's ability to repair. This is why so many people will tell you, look, if your maintenance is 2,000 calories and you're in a cut right now and you're sitting at 1,300 calories, And you're telling everybody, oh, I'm trying to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Unless you are extremely new in the gym, that ain't happening. Because your body needs a certain amount of calories, not only just to function, but it also needs even more to build. So at that point, at 1300, your body's probably just maintaining at best. It's, you know, past any newbie gains, you're not building. So nutrition is really, really important. Nutrition that's on point, that's, you know, around maintenance is going to lend to better recovery. So uh, protein is huge in that. As I'm sure you all have, you know, heard and know, protein is going to lend to recovering your muscles faster. So our bodies are very interesting because they don't just sit in like, an anabolic or catabolic state. Animal, anabolic meaning building, catabolic meaning tearing down. It's actually this state of going back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. And when we make sure we have adequate enough protein and calories, but mainly protein here, then we can make sure we can stay in a more anabolic state So oftentimes I'll explain this to clients. I'll say, think about you trying to, let's just say, clean a room. Have you ever tried to clean a room with a toddler? Do you know how hard it is? For those of you who are unaware, it is very hard because you go into one side of the room and you start cleaning and you turn around and you're like, ah, they've destroyed the other side. I think of the same with protein and building muscle. 
if you just are like, I give up and walk out of the room, that toddler is going to have a heyday and it's going to completely destroy everything. Right. So it's almost like I've told this to my husband. I feel like I'm literally following around my children all day long, just like, you know, picking up these messes after them. And it's like always the state of who's going to win, who can outbeat the other one. Right. Or you could think of it as another analogy I like to use is if you're building a wall and you have bricks, right? You have enough protein. The protein is bricks. You're building this muscle. You're building this wall. And you just want to stay ahead of the fact that as you get protein in and are in an anabolic state, the body is also going to use those proteins and there's going to be this catabolic state. We just want to make sure that at the end of the day, we are in a protein positive, not a protein negative. So protein and nutrition overall are going to also greatly impact your body's ability to recover and how fast it's going to recover. Another one is sleep. Sleep is very important and it's the thing that everybody wants to forget about. And look, I get it. I get it because There are just a lot of days, not just some days, but a lot of days at the end of the day, it's like, I want to do something for me. I feel like, um, I've been doing all the things that I have to do a few things that I get to do. And also a lot of being a mom and being a wife and showing up for other people. And at the end of the day, I'm tired and I'm drained. And it's interesting because what I need is I need a good night's sleep. But what I end up wanting is I want to watch a show. I want to turn my brain off. I want to watch a show that I'll enjoy. And I think that that's me recovering. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I do that. But man, when I stay up to watch Severance (laughs) or whatever show, I feel it for like two to three days even because I know the difference between good quality sleep. So as much as it pains me, sometimes I'll just tell myself, look, I'll give myself like one chapter. I'll read one chapter or I'll read a few pages or I'll give myself 10 minutes of this book that I really enjoy. And then I have to put it down and I have to sleep. And and this isn't just a nice idea because some people just are big fans of sleep. And so they decide that they're going to do whole podcasts and just promote sleep. It's like, no, during sleep, the body releases growth hormone, HGH, okay? Human growth hormone. It releases growth hormone, which I mean, growth hormone It does. It helps you grow muscle, guys. It plays a crucial role in muscle repair and growth. Okay, so sleep is very important. We've got to get enough sleep. We have to make it more of a priority, not only for muscle growth, but let's just say your goal right now is fat loss and you really, really want to prioritize fat loss. Then you want to prioritize everything that will make being in a calorie deficit easier because it's hard on body, on mind. It's hard. Sleep 
will be the one thing that will make or break you. And once again, this isn't my opinion. This isn't just people are big fans of sleep and they want you to sleep. This is, we are seeing this in the studies that an increase of hunger hormones are released when you don't get enough sleep. Oh man. And I'm sure those of you listening right now are like, oh yeah, I've experienced that. I have experienced that. I've told my husband, I don't know why I'm sitting at maintenance. I'm not even in a calorie deficit and I am just so hungry. I could eat everything. And it's because it's those very nights when I decide that I'm going to stay up till two o'clock in the morning watching Witcher because I just love that show. Okay. I just, I just love it. So those are the very next days. And, and there's a rippling effect for me, two to three days of recovering from poor nights sleep. There's a huge impact on recovery and repair for muscle fibers, but also your ability to stay on track with your calorie deficit. Another thing that I'm sure I've already quoted to you guys, but I will again, another study that was very, very fascinating. This one controlled the calorie deficit, two groups, the exact same calorie deficit. In fact, and, and they were very controlled. If you, if you didn't follow the plan, then they didn't include your numbers. Both groups controlled same calorie deficit. One group got seven plus hours of sleep. One group, I think, I think it was around five or less, something like that. And the group that got more sleep had a higher rate of fat loss. That's incredible. My husband also just sent me this... (laughs) this reel quoting a doctor who said that proper amounts of sleep, just an hour longer of sleep, like increases libido by 17%. And I was laughing so hard when he sent me that. Cause I was like, Ooh, that is like the best tool that I can use against him now <laughs> to get another like hour of sleep. It's like, Oh, sorry. I can't put the kids down to sleep tonight. I need that other hour of sleep. You know what the rewards are, you know, like, let's just let, let, let let's see sleep. So there are so many benefits to sleep. Okay. The last one that we're going to talk about that influences your amount to recover uh, faster or later, sooner or later is stress levels. And in the notes, I'm going to include two studies. One was a study. The other was a meta-analysis. And this is a quote from the meta-analysis meaning that they reviewed tons of studies on the subject. So in this analysis, high stress was associated with worse recovery. So stress, which was assessed as life event stress or even just perceived stress, it actually dramatically dropped recovery periods. And some people, it actually increased it. Uh, in a 96-hour period after strenuous resistance exercise. So life stresses. I mean, that's why, guys, when, when I'm looking at a client, I'm not just looking at what do you want. I'm looking at the peripherals. What is going on in your life 
because I get a lot of people coming to me just saying, workout, diet, that's all we need to talk about. That's all we need to care about. I'm like, "Mm, no, because everything is going to affect it. Everything. There's a question that I have at the bottom of uh, my check-in. That's actually, what are you grateful for? And I had a woman write in saying, this is the stupidest question. Why in the world would you include this question? I can't believe it. This is so dumb. I'm not even going to answer this question. And I said, thank you. You just did. (laughs) You just did. That told me everything. That literally told me everything about all the things that are going on in your life that nowhere else did you tell me because you're coming at me angry and mad because it's quote unquote, not working, but what wasn't working was the plan wasn't being followed. So we're not doing the nutrition plan. We're not doing the workouts. Everything is stupid to you. There's a lot going on. And if you'll let me, let's dive into this and maybe talk about the peripherals and how it's influencing your ability to follow or not follow the plan. And let's get a plan that then can work. She didn't, she didn't want to, but, um, but that is why I asked that question because there's so much more to it than just, uh, nutrition, working out. There's so many other things that can influence it and actually end up making it easier. So instead of fighting against your body, you're fighting with your body. It's a companion to you on this journey. So if we just fixate on the, the, the study that, oh, look, I'm not going to read the study. I'm just going to read the abstract that said, People who lifted three times a week versus six times a week, they got the same hypertrophy. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm going to do. That could be the worst thing, right? There's so many other things that go into this, that go into recovery. So to conclude, I just want to end with some just basic guidance. This is a very basic guide that I shared in an Instagram post a few days ago. So let's just look at a few things and then you can decide whether you need one to two days or even two to four days. So a short recovery time could be one day where like literally you're, you're back in the gym working the same muscle group the same day, right? That's if you're doing very low volume. Remember two sets. If you're going to do two sets, biceps on Monday, you could do two sets biceps on Tuesday. I That's not very much volume. But once again, majority of people who love lifting don't do that. So low volume, shorter recovery time. Training far away from failure. If you're not even getting close to failure, yeah, probably once again, you could hit it the next day. Uh, training shorter muscle lengths. So let me just give a few examples. I told you that we can lengthen out the muscle, right? Squat was the glute max being lengthened. It was also, it's also the uh, quad being lengthened. The glutes being shortened would be like a kickback 
or a glute bridge, not a hip thrust, but a glute bridge, where you're staying in that very top position and it's loaded there, that's going to be it working in a short position. And if you're doing like three to four sets in that short, short position, that's could be fine to go in the next day, depending on all those other aspects that we talked about. Also, another thing that I forgot to mention is if it's a familiar stimulus. So if you've been doing this routine for a really long time, or even this exercise for a very long time, then to really progress and to get an adaptation, you need more, right? But if you're not giving it anymore and you're just doing the same thing, then you probably can go in just fine and do it the next day. Have you ever started a new program and it's like you are sore for like three, four days? Yeah. Your body is still making those, it's still working through recovery. It's a new stimulus. It's a new exercise. You're doing, it may not be a new exercise, but maybe you're doing it in a new way. Maybe you're doing partials at the bottom where it's really hard and in a lengthened position and you're spending more time in that lengthened position. That's something on my app that we've been doing a lot more of lately is what's called integrated partials. So think about you go down into a squat or a leg press, you do like a half rep at that bottom in that lengthened position, and then you come up. That's an integrated partial and it's that's one rep. So if you're just used to going through the motions with a squat, and then all of a sudden you start my app and you're doing integrated partials on the leg press, a really stable environment, you know, getting double the load in that lengthened position. Yeah. That's going to be a new stimulus. You might be longer or you might be sore for three, four days. So that's usually a, a sign that you overshot the stimulus just a little bit. That's actually why the first week or two of my training, I tell, tell people to stay away from failure. We don't even do, we don't even hit failure on the last set. We're getting in, we're getting used to the new program, we're getting used to the sets, the reps, the new tempo schemes, or whatever it may be. And so we're getting through. And that way, I don't cause to, it's not just you getting used to it, guys. It's that way I'm not inducing too much uh, disruption so that we can still recover really well. So that's another thing. So longer recovery, you know, two to three days. Well, that just depends. Are you doing tons of training volume on that muscle? Are you uh, training closer to failure? Are you training in longer muscle lengths? Is this a new stimulus? That's going to require, you know, more like two to three days. So that's those are the things that we should be thinking through when we're trying to decide how much recovery time we need. Not just, oh, this one study said this, so I'm going to now train every single day. For a lot of individuals, that could be working against them. That could be working against people who suffer from 
thyroid issues like Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism that could work against uh, women in peri uh, postmenopause that can work against you because there's just too much inflammation or disruption. Um, anybody suffering from other uh, hormonal issues or just life events, it could make you feel more exhausted. Like let's just say you just had a baby and you're gung-ho and you want to come back and you want to do all the things because you want your body that you had before. And you forget to take into account that although that's great to have a desire to progress and become stronger and, and build your body, that's a great desire. But keep in mind, you're probably still waking up two to three times a night. That's affecting your sleep. You're probably, maybe breastfeeding isn't coming easy to you. And that's high stress. Oh, I... Ooh, breastfeeding was high stress. Even after having somebody work with me, it was just, it just didn't come for me. It was just high stress. All things combine to either aid or take away from your recovery. So be wise as you decide what's best for you and your training. So hopefully this episode has helped you out. If you have any questions, I'm always open to hear them. You can message me on Instagram. Follow me there at Lifting Lindsay. If you just want somebody to write your training programs for you, think about things like maximizing recovery, then go to liftinglindsay.com and sign up for my training programs. You guys have a wonderful week. I really, really appreciate and love you all.